Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as lightworkers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Word, we will discuss a word, think community, balance, tenacity, etc., in hopes of motivating our audience to incorporate more of that into their lives. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Good morning. Welcome back to the Dreamcatchers. It's been a while. It's been a minute, I feel. It might be a minute. I don't know. I don't know. I, it feels like it's been a little bit, but I'm excited to be here. I think that, oh, I said excited. There it is. First sentence. We were like, let's not say excited. And I said it anyway. Uh, oh, it's because we haven't podcast out of shared universe in a little bit. Because yes. our last was alive at Good Housekeeping. So it's been That's a little bit true. since we've been, been here. And then we were outside at Orange Theory. Oh, yeah. So we haven't so been, been in the been studio in a bit. home base at shared universe in a while. Hashtag summer vacation. Well, we are not excited. We are thrilled. There it is. <laughs> to be reconnecting with our guest today, who live action is here. I think she might have left last night to be here on time. And um, if everyone would like to truly know, she was my doubles partner in 1993. And if you do the math, you have to carry a bunch of ones. Was it 93? 1992. 1992. There it is. Yeah, we were doubles partners. And then we got like kind of switched like we really felt most comfortable with each other, <laughs> but it's fine. Um, and we won a lot. We did. We but did. I, but I never let her. It's fine. I still I don't talk about it. Um, anyways, so she's here with us this morning, and um, she has, without question, made quite a name for herself in the publishing, marketing, et cetera, et cetera, industry, and will not win Wimbledon. That's okay. Neither will I. And without much further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, absolutely. I'm thrilled to be here. I feel very grateful that we have reconnected and that I have this opportunity. My name is Caroline Montrose. I am the founder of Industrious Agency. I host team workshops um, at a variety of different companies, large and small. In addition to doing a lot of speaking engagements, I host speaker panels, et cetera. Um, in addition to that, I also do take on some pretty big marketing project work, um, which is always very challenging and, and fun. Um, but I am sort of this traveling professor. That's what I like to call myself, where I love going in and helping companies solve problems and be more creative and just helping empower people and teach them um, how to do their jobs better and how to really love their jobs. So sounds like we have a lot in common. Yes. Yep. And I should be just tagging along in your Yeah, we really should. In your valise. <laughs> we, yeah, we we do that a lot of what you're saying, but um you on know the people at, side. On the people side. Yes. And in our offices. But it is fun. We always um, say that it would be so fun to be able to take go dream out catchers and on the road. Take dream catchers on the road. Maybe one day. And we'll, you will. We will. And I will. We will. Yes. Right. Manifest. Manifest. There it is. Setting intentions. Setting intentions. So the title of this podcast um, and our audience will know this, but I'll remind everybody is what's the word? Mm -hmm. um, because we like to dive into uh, a fellow dreamer's career path and then yet tie it back to how they inspire others 
And usually the what's the word uh, guest, so to speak, is doing something on their own and not necessarily collaborating still in the working world, working for others. They're right. working for themselves. Um, so in this particular case, I'd love to be able to spend a little time talking about how you got to where you are today and then, of course, zero in on the word of the day, which we'll get to in a second, and showcase what you're doing at Industrious and how you're helping others and kind of unpack some of the really large, yes. amazing things that you've been up to in the last several months, weeks, years, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. So I started my career in magazine publishing. Um, I had always wanted to work in the magazine industry. It was a dream of mine. And I can actually remember the exact day I made that decision. And it was in 1990. It was June of 1990. Prior to us. Like Teen Beat a little? Yeah. Like. Well, yes, and okay. that actually has something to do with it. So <laughs> I was obsessed with Seventeen Magazine, 17. and I would literally sit in my bedroom and look out the window waiting for the mailman to deliver the magazine. And the issue of it was the July issue of 1990 with Cameron Diaz on the cover. And I just fell in love with reading magazines. And I said, okay, I'm going to be a writer. And then fast forward after I graduated from college... I realized that marketing would, I would still be able to write, but I'd make a little bit more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved the creative side to it. I loved the event side to it. So I ended up sort of pivoting and, and entering in that way. But for years, I worked at Time Inc., which is now Meredith. I worked at Rodale um, at Men's Health. And then I spent the majority of my career working at Condé Nast. So I was at Allure, Bon Appetit, and then Epicur- uh, Epicurious. And I had a really, really fantastic career for a long time, for about 14, 15 years. And then I had my daughter and decided to go out on my own. We were definitely in, we were in contact when you were at Condé Nast. Yes. And I remember that chapter of life because you were doing so many fun things there. In fact, um, you were invited, you invited me in as a guest to do a trunk show in my past life when I used to have a side gift business. That's yep. right, Rissy Lynn. Yes. That oh, was. my goodness. Oh, oh hashtag Rissy Lynn. OG. <laughs> By the way, if there had been social media during that Etsy. time, I'd be in a very different place yes, right now. That, that was even, Etsy. Etsy didn't exist. Nope. Nope. It was they just were the word of beautiful. mouth and a daily candy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> most beautiful frames ever. We all had one. That I one. still have one. Yeah. In my I bedroom, still have actually. several in my, in my room. It is concerning that the supplies I use still are have held up. Oh yeah, it's like, God. what are they made of? I have no idea. We don't know, and but I, you, and I you inhaled a lot yes, of that fume. Yes, I did. Uh, it's interesting because, as you may or may not know about me, I started my career in beauty PR. That's how I tripped into, you know, working at an agency and then switching into HR and recruiting. But back in the day, I called on all of those publishers right. and those magazines because I had a similar obsession with magazines and beauty and products and understanding how they got into the magazine. So I spent a lot of time at Condé and Rodale and all these places doing like desk sides with my editors, you know, with editors and things like that. Um, Hence, I don't do that anymore. I switched into recruiting three or four years into that. So I was still, you know, an assistant at those at that time. But I remember going to the Condé Nast building and just being like, wow. This is pretty I mean, cool. It's everything right out of the movies. It yeah. still is. It, it, it really was. was. Very glamorous. Very glamorous um, for our generation, which a lot of – it's interesting because a lot of our listeners may not even understand, like, the true publishing industry. But, right. you know, when we were at Good Housekeeping even last last month or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the the online versus the actual magazine itself and how many people are still reading the magazine. 
And in fact, the executive editor who we've become friendly with, Megan Murphy, she matches her nails every single month to the cover of the magazine. And it got us talking after because I was like, how many people actually still read the magazine versus the website? And she'd be you'd be surprised. Right. You'd be surprised. And ev- like everything else, what's old is new. Right. So young people are still doing it. And then, of course, our generation and above are Let's still reading. Let's hope that magazines have like that wherewithal all that vinyl does. Yeah, where it like comes back around. I miss, I miss, I don't, by the way, in all fairness, I don't not read magazines because I read things online. I don't read magazines because I I have a mother of two run a company and I'm here with you. Podcasting. I don't have time. I just, in fact, I have all the community magazines that we get, you know, our local magazines that I have stacked up because I want to read them, but it takes you have it to takes have time, right? Yeah, but I remember that very well too. Waiting for the Seventeen magazine. Oh my gosh! What was your first job though? Because oh, my first job yeah. was working for a woman named Sandy Deck. Oh, oh Sandy Deck parties. Who owned her own business, mm-hmm. um, doing birthday parties for children. So her tagline was something along the lines of, the only thing you need to do is bring your camera or something like that. So we would actually go into people's homes with all of the supplies and the parties had themes. So fun and games, arts and crafts, whatever it was. And She was so ahead of her time. When yeah, she you, was. She really was. And when you had a we- I did. When and all my friends started, worked for her too. Right, exactly. Yeah. So when you first started, you had to dress up as a costume character. So I was Minnie Mouse, a Power Ranger, all these different things. And then oh, that you was would, the boot camp? Yeah. And then Got you it. would graduate to actually hosting the parties yourself. Now, I actually learned so much from this job because, first of all, Sandy was a working mother. She was an entrepreneur. She was very successful. She was managing a very demanding business with demanding clients and two small children. In addition to the fact that she she just had to work so hard. Um, and I respected her and I learned a lot from her. And the other thing I learned was that I could be in front of people and I didn't have to be afraid. So even though I was performing for children or hosting a party for children, I still had it's to very please the parents. Skills that and you were I learning. had to do that. And I had to learn how to execute an event and be detail oriented and articulate and all of these other things. I just and loved Sandy that experience. And to have trusted you. Yes. She entrusted you. were high school, right? Yes, I was in high school real. and college. Yeah. yeah. It's a big deal. And, and, you know, it's funny, but looking back on that, I always like to scoop up the pieces of a first job and see how it, like, parlays. And Jamie always talks about in all of our podcasts, like, who you were in your friend group or, like, what what moments in your growing up life end up translating into your career. And already, in one in one fell swoop, you just knocked it out of the park with... 100%. She prepared. She, she read our questions. She <laughs> yeah. knows. But it's yeah. true, though. Like, you think about those first jobs. So mine was a camp counselor or whatever your first job is. It isn't uncommon for you to actually still draw on those experiences now. It's, I mean, I learned some of my most fundamental skills being a camp counselor when I was 15 years old and responsible for crossing. I will never forget. I forget all things. I will never forget crossing 60 kids across Times Square. We are going to see a show on Broadway and our buses at Ramakoy passed, you know, parked like three blocks over and I had to figure out a way to like stop traffic, keep these kids safe, get them inside the building, all of that stuff. Those are the things that I remember still. Responsibility, Mm -hmm. organization, communication skills, getting people to trust you, all of those things. I was 15, 16 years old. Right. 
I mean, it was also just resourcefulness because we'd always forget stuff. stuff. Okay. Like, how are we going to solve for that issue? Okay. The kids aren't responding to this. What are we, how are we going to pivot and do something else to make sure that everybody's having fun? That you're switching your plan. Exactly. I love it. Really helped me think on my feet. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. Entry level position at the Red Maple Luncheonette, if you'd like to know, is a dishwasher. I was promoted quickly. Courtney struggled and then she moved to Morse's Farm. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Courtney. But she was very good at that job. She was good. But I was promoted to um, when on the weekend when the the lead um, the lead waitress was not there. I I ran Mercedes. The lead. Yeah, Mercedes. Mercedes. Nancy Lehman. Remember Nancy Lehman? Yes. Nancy Lehman and I ran the front and we split the tips. And I actually, I mean, that was not my first job. My first job was the bagel store, which was an epic failure in Norwood. Um, but. And I also worked for Jansen Associates, which is a whole other thing. I don't even know what that was, but an advertising that? agency. He, he did yeah, like Jesse Jansen's dad. Yeah, he did yeah. like the marketing for like um, cool stuff, old movies. Yeah, um, and old movie stars above the store in Harrington Park. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the Red Maple, I, I actually honed that in on my exposure into client service of all different types of clients. And maybe a little bit of the Me Too movement. That's irrelevant. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, no. <laughs> that's so, a different podcast for a different, different day. Podcast. <laughs> Anyways, so obviously, um, after the adventure of becoming a mother, which we all, inca- which we are all fortunate enough to have encountered, yes. you've pivoted, but you are still doing very much what you yes. have set out to do. So you have not wavered, per se. Now, through the career, did you feel um, that you were not or less in love with what you were doing and then found by pivoting a tiny bit? Well, so I Wait a minute, loved, hold on. Before you answer yes. that, we have not said our word yet. No, you said I, we'll oh, come back to that. And I forgot to come back to it. Do you want to say it? I do want to say it. Say it. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Go for it. Because everything that we're saying right now really parlays into the strength, oh, yes. the strength that you need in order to figure out what it is about the love because in your case, your career was really a love of your life, mm-hmm. uh, a true, true love from yes. the very job. beginning. Yeah. And in order to find the highs and chase it all the way, even when your life changed, you need quite a bit of courage. That's there correct. it is. There's yes. the word. There it Good is. Good lead in there. I like that. I like that. Courage. I cleaned, it. I cleaned up my mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and with courage, which um, not to sound like my, my love, Brene Brown, but there comes a lot of uh, vulnerability. Yes. Right? And in in our industry, specifically your industry, there's a lot of rejection. A hundred percent. And as much rejection, there's collaboration. Yes. And in both of those things, mm-hmm. you need to tie into or dive into your courage. Yes. So when you were on the road and working in publishing and mm-hmm. traveling and doing these events, and I mean, when I met you years ago at Allure, um, predating your husband, predating Karis, predating Suburban Working Mother – any of that stuff. Did you fall out of love a little bit with it? Condé Nast was an amazing place to work. It was, you're just surrounded by really smart and creative people at all times. But it was a lot of hard work. And I had been there for a long time. And when it came time to have my daughter, I just didn't necessarily know if I could quite honestly manage such a high pressure job. I was an executive director of marketing over two brands, both Bon Appetit and Epicurious. I had a large team reporting to me, a tremendous amount of responsibility, and I had a lot going on in my personal life. So then I had 
my daughter, Karis, and I was like, okay, so now I have this little helpless human being who (laughs) relies on me for everything. What am I going to do? And I ended up going back to work uh, for about three months, and my bosses were amazing. They had given me quite a bit of flexibility and whatnot, Um, never a perfect formula for that, just simply because none of my team uh, members had any flexibility. So it was like a little bit of resentment. It was Mm -hmm. kind of a weird thing. My role had changed a little bit. And instead of having a courageous conversation with my boss at the time, who I respected very much and who I had been working for for about four years at that point, I actually opted out of having a courageous conversation with him about figuring out what a real flexible schedule could look like. And um, I suffered crazy consequences because of that. Um, Because I opted out of having that conversation, it's like my steady pay went away and really most importantly, the biggest piece of my identity was gone because for 15 years, my whole identity was hung on professional accomplishments and now that was gone. So I took six months off, spent time with my daughter and then- Do you think had you asked a little bit, having that courageous conversation, you may have gotten a response? 100%, 100%. He was definitely willing to work with me and I was just- You were in this place of, I have a newborn, I can't do this. I'm burnt out. I have a newborn. I have a lot going on in my personal life and I just cannot possibly manage- both. A lot of I, our I, listeners would would probably really resonate, relate. yeah, because yeah. I think so many of us um, as women, but in general, when you go through some sort of professional change or personal change, it's like you can't see clearly that there are choices right. that you have, and you make decisions based off emotion and stories. stress, stories and you're, that you make up. You're in your webbing head. a story in your head that doesn't exist. I but tell to people fair, to be fair, though, Carolyn. You were, I mean, Karis is how old? She's just turned five. Right. So the people, women, have been on a marathon right. in the last five years. Right. That perhaps you were at the beginning of that marathon. Mm-hmm. I mean, those of us, the, the people, the young women listening or young mothers-to-be listening or the millennials that are entering the next phase of their life, which they will. Um, 100%. And just because they were young forever doesn't mean they're not going to want to do the rest of the more traditional things in life that we all have done a little bit before 82% them. of millennials will take a career break and not just to have kids, to travel, go back to school, start a business, whatever it is. Right. So this they, applies to them 100%. To 100%. And we all work, we all work together in this world. It's not just the millennial world. It's the people that were before the millennials right. and it's the people that are after the millennials. And I think that there have been people, it's not your fault you weren't courageous then. Right. And if you were to have a conversation with you now, that person, you may not have done anything different. And the right. wisdom came from your experiences experience. after. And, you know, 100%. We, talk about, we talk about all the but time. But young women in your shoes today, mm-hmm. they don't think twice about having the courage because so many people have done it before them. Right. Right. You know? And but that's also, the beautiful I thing. I also truly believe we talk about this all the time on the podcast and in life, is everything happens for a reason. Right? So... And also, my favorite quote of all time, forget, regret, or life is yours to miss from Rent. And it really is true. You can't look backwards. You have to look forwards and know that the decision you made at that time was obviously meant to be. Right. Right. So maybe you didn't have the tools in your toolbox in order to mother and also balance that until you could figure out how to negotiate for yourself. Exactly. And I had made up a story in my head about these are the options that could be, that could exist, and he's going to reject all of them. So I just didn't. I just opted out. Yeah, you just didn't do it. I just didn't do it. And to your point, you made a good point before about the younger generations now not 
having the fear of having conversations like that. And I absolutely agree with you. Just based on my experience coaching some of them, doing workshops with some of them, doing speaking engagements where I have a much younger audience, um, these women are so courageous and they are not afraid to ask for what they deserve. And I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing too. And you know, this particular generation does get a bad reputation for the entitlement and all of that. And I think that there's definitely a lot of pluses to having that kind of self-awareness and um, ability to vocalize what you're looking for. You know, obviously it it's borderline sometimes, obviously as people that have managed this generation, it's, we all, they get a bad rep that they're, you know, entitled and expecting to be the president when everyone else is an assistant. But at the end of the day, good for them sometimes to speak up and be able to ask what for what it is that they want. I mean, the rest of us just kind of well, we grew up and we were conditioned as I'm considered to, Marissa and I were considered to be exennials. So we're, right, we're in the in-betweens, right? We're the in-between, the Gen X and the millennials. I'm, a, you are a I'm millennial. actually a millennial. You're a millennial, I'm 1981, right? So I'm a millennial, but I, it's weird to me because I'm like, no, I'm not, but I am. Right. Yeah. But we were taught to get the job after college, follow the rules, you'll get promoted. And we are extreme. Our, our it's little very snippet of people, we're very linear. traditional. Yeah. These Very younger generations are not. They're much more nimble. They're much more curious. They're much more. Um, will, they're willing to take more risks. I think they also have information at their fingertips that we and just that, did not. That have. we did not have. That's mm-hmm. correct. So really, we didn't have any other behavior to model after, except looking at our parents. I it's guess. not to say that they'll be able to escape rejection. Their rejection will come in different ways, not oh, to be 100%. negative. But I do think it's nice to sing their praises because if you had had the exposure of the last few years. You might have felt differently in your old boss's office now. However, think about all of the people that you've helped, aside yes. from Karis, yes. since you've left Condé Nast. Think about your clients. Talk to us a little bit about that. Because if it weren't for you taking that professional pivot, yes. there'd be several individuals that would be lost because they hadn't met you. Yes. So you took how much time off? You said six months. Six months. And then I started just doing marketing project work from former colleagues and whatnot just to get my feet wet again, understand how to balance having a very young child with a career and a commute. Um, That's a whole other commute, which is a whole other podcast. So that doing the freelance work really, really helped me adjust to my new life. My real change came when a former colleague called me and um, after I had left, my team had sort of disbanded. They had moved on to other jobs. They were managing their own teams. And back when I was managing them, we used to do these workshops four times a year. And I would look at the business um, along with my boss and we would see where we were doing really well, where we were falling short, what cultural trends were going on, what what our clients were asking for. And we would do these offsites where we would ban technology and for an entire day, we would solve problems, come up with new business ideas, and then create action plans for getting this stuff done. So fast forward. Basically planned a Sandy Deck party for them. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Um, They were amazing. People really liked them. We got a lot of work accomplished. And so these people who were on my team started calling me and said, you know what? If you're not working right now, can you come in and host a workshop for my team? And once I started doing a few of them, it was that aha moment where I felt, all right, this is is. my new thing. She's answering our next question. This this is my thing because it's no longer about the glamour and the money and all of these other things. It's about actually serving people and helping them to learn from my experience, learn from my mistakes, and helping them do their jobs better and and love their jobs. That's what makes me excited to get up in the morning these days. And then, you know, to tie back to courage for a second, 
how did that then morph into you creating like your actual name and agency mm-hmm. and marketing yourself to then be the expert in this? That took so that takes courage too because you're you know here you are just serving people you used to work with. You're like oh I got this right. There's right. people that I know. They're right. They know me. I've used, I've worked with them before. So then how did that change from doing it for your friends essentially right. to then taking the step to create something like what you've done? Well, so I had to. I needed credibility, right? Mm-hmm. So it started with getting testimonials from the people who I'd done workshops for. Mm-hmm. They kindly wrote me te- testimonials on LinkedIn, whatever it is. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just create a website. So I created a website. I tapped my former creative director who I'd worked with for years. She designed a logo for me. I worked with my I other- love your logo, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah. She's amazing. Very talented. Um, I worked with another former colleague of mine who's a freelance copywriter, so talented. She helped me tighten up my copy. I um, created an LLC so that everything I was doing was legal and I could write things off, et cetera. And I just ripped off the Band-Aid one day and just pushed it out. And then people, uh, perception is reality. People looked at me on LinkedIn, reached out to me on Facebook, and they said, oh, you're legit now. You're legit. This is what you're doing. And like a true phoenix in the rising. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. But you had all the fundamentals underneath your belt. Right, because I had the experience. Yes. But then I got to the point where, okay, so if I'm going to grow this business, this workshop business, beyond just servicing people in the media industry, I need to learn about other industries. So I just listen to a lot of podcasts. I read a lot. Um, and then I went back to school. I did a semester of in, uh, instructional design, which is essentially what teachers need when they're building a curriculum. Um, This was instructional design for businesses, so design for people like me who host workshops. Um, I did that at Harvard, so they have an EDX program, and it was a rigorous semester, and I did it while I was working, but I fell in love with it. And I said, I I thought back to that conversation from 2014 when I walked out of my boss's office not knowing who I was, and I said, I finally found who I am. When I finished that course, I said, this is it. This This is is what I want to do. Thank you, Karis. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Karis. Yeah. It's funny. I always spend a lot of time thinking about how they choose us, our children. And you realize that she chose you at that time so that you could take the time. Right. To spend focused on her and your family. Yes. So that you could clean your slate, re-judge your energy. Right. And rebrand yourself without even realizing you were doing it. Exactly. Takes a lot of courage. Yes. I agree. And, you know, obviously in what you're doing, you're inspiring others every day, which we are such believers in. That's Mm -hmm. why we wanted to have you on the podcast because what we're doing is such, we call it light working, right? We're turning other people's lights on. We are giving people their aha moments that they might be searching for every single day at work. And so I love that you're doing that for large corporations and, and, you know, startups, startups, everybody in between. So what is your philosophy as far as inspiring these folks? Like, are you, obviously you have a, you know, this, degree now, if you will, or, or you went through this course about, you know, creating content for people. Mm-hmm. And so what is it that your philosophy is? How are you coming in and doing this for these companies? So everything is custom. Everything that I do for companies is completely tailored to what their needs are. So it really starts with listening to the client mm-hmm. and what's going on with their business. So I spend a lot of time with the clients listening. Again, this is where what, where we're doing great. This is where we're falling short. This is where we need help. I need certain help with certain people. And then I interview people on the staff. I learn from them. 
They also, I do what's called an audit. So they turn over to me any of their same sales materials, marketing materials, it could be production materials. So I can digest all of that information. And then I come up with concepts that can anchor what the day is going to look like, similar to having, you know, a national sales meeting that has a theme to it. Mm -hmm. And then I work with them to create what this curriculum is. And it could be personal anecdotes of mine, but also obviously sharing research and data, things that are going on in the world that make sense. Videos, case studies, sometimes I'll bring in an entire speaker panel to help bring to life whatever we're talking about. The Dreamcatchers are available. Dreamcatchers are always available for inspirational chats. Um, I love that. Yeah, because sometimes people don't even have to listen to me. They have to listen to the people that they're serving. So for example, I did a workshop a few months back for an athleisure brand and they, I brought in not only customers who love their brand, but customers who were buying their competition and other people who own say yoga studios and they were carrying competitive products as well and whatnot. And it was the most valuable part of the workshop because they were hearing from the actual people that they're serving in a very structured way. They were able to ask questions and interact and just learn about where to take their business next. I love that because it's it's kind of a combination of marketing, um, executive development, um, consumer research. I mean, you're really bringing together all of these different areas. So how would you say, so I came from, before I joined Marissa, I was at time, I was at Turner, at Time Warner, um, in the ad sales and marketing recruiting team. Um, but we had a big learning and development kind mm-hmm. of area. So how do you differentiate yourself from these cor- in these corporate structures from their L&D teams and the people that are doing this like inside of a company? And it's very similar, it sounds like, to what we do, right? So right. companies have HR and recruiting, mm-hmm. but they still outsource sometimes to people like us. Yes. So how do you find that you compare or contrast or complement internal learning and development. I'm sitting here, my mind is going, right? Because that's what happens. My mind starts thinking about who I want to introduce you to. You know, this is a unique podcast because I'm thinking about people I can put you in touch with because we work with a lot of growing businesses Mm -hmm. that could potentially, because in my, without knowing anything, my intuitive reaction is a growing business that's at a tipping point would really benefit from your your expertise. Um, Or somebody who's stuck on something even. And they can't move where they can't get past. Right. So Just I'm moving the needle. thinking, mm-hmm. like, how, how, how would you want me to pitch you? Right. And how do you differentiate yourself, like I said, from somebody that has this internally mm-hmm. versus somebody that doesn't? Because we obviously do this all day, right? We're same thing. We say, you know, you could easily do your own staffing, but let us do it. Right. I also think I want to hear that pitch because for those listening, if you are trying to get yourself out there, like, you got to get up to bat. Right. A lot of different ways for a lot of different audiences. And you got to be able to think outside the box in order to track those audiences. I mean, I've been in sales for my entire career. Right. I have to send 50 emails a day to get one person to respond to me because everything I do goes into a dark hole, whether it's recruiting right. or sales development. And right. it's on both sides because right. people only respond if they need when you. they need me. Right. Right. So go ahead. Tell me. Yes. How so, would you pitch yourself? Or wh- so how, how do can I, I pitch you? So how I differentiate is I'm, I'm an anti-consultant. So consultants typically will go into businesses, they analyze what's going on, and then tell you what to do. That is not my strategy because I don't know enough about everybody's business to have the ability to comp- do that soup to nuts. I believe that companies have the right people in place to do this job. I just help them get to the next step. So you're their listener? Yes. Mm-hmm. Their cheerleader? Yes. Like a, I can arm them with information. I can arm them dire- with like insights. Board of directors. But it is their job to then come to the conclusion that they need. What is the next product we should launch? 
that's not for me as a consultant to tell them, but I can give them the framework. I can say, okay, these are the consumer trends. This is what's going on with your competition. Um, you know, I understand your different roles. Maybe we change things, but they ultimately can come up with the idea You're like themselves. like a work therapy session. Exactly. I'm sort of like a work therapy. I actually might use that. <laughs> Hashtag work therapy. Work therapy. Work therapy. By the way, me too. Yeah. We do it all the time. <laughs> actually, we should do something like that. <laughs> I love Hold it. Hold on. That's a great idea. All right. Let's yeah. pause it then because we don't want anyone to take our yeah. idea. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, so, you know, obviously you're so inspirational to other people. We always talk about how we strive to be inspirational every single day. Yes. You know, we interact with both candidates and clients life. every single day that we try to, you know, keep them inspired. So what is it that inspires you? How do you stay so positive, so cheerleady for all of your clients? What is it that inspires you every day? Other people. Mm-hmm. Hands down. My husband is my biggest cheerleader. And when things go wrong, he is always there to say, get out of your rut and just keep going. Have the courage to keep moving. My mom is amazing. My daughter inspires me because I think about her. I'm like, she throws herself on the floor. She always gets up. I mean, she's, mm-hmm. she's an amazing, creative, smart little girl. And she inspires me. People like you inspire me. I read a lot of books. I love Brene Brown, to your point. I love Glennon the- Doyle. Oh my God, I love um, Gabrielle Bernstein. I, I, I'm all I'm these. trifecta. I'm all in. Yep. All I want to go to all the things. Yeah. Glennon's going to be in Philly. I'm like, want to go first row. I don't yeah. know when I'm going to get to all those things. We can add it to our list. Yeah. We'll add, add it to, to the, the list. list. Yeah. Absolutely. But really, I lean on other people for inspiration. And even though this business, as you know, because you're out on your own too, you get rejected a lot. Um, sometimes feedback is not exactly what you want it to be. It's just so important to just keep going. And I always touch back to like the Jerry Seinfeld method where he says, if you want to be a comedian, write a joke every day. It's all about success. It's about momentum and it's about consistency. And I find that to be so true as a small business owner is that as long as you have small steps, small things that you can do to build courage, you can do really big things. So a small step that's courageous could be cold emailing somebody you haven't ever spoken to before. It could be asking an amazing person to be your mentor. It could be publishing an article on LinkedIn. It doesn't have to be going in and, you know, asking for a huge promotion. It's just building your courage over time and being super consistent about it. That Mm -hmm. inspires me. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, you want to go into our mantras, Maris? I wanted to ask This is usually our area that you you love. I, I thought that there was an interesting parallel um, I wanted to talk about two things before we go into the mantras. Um, you personally have a passion that if you're when you're on Facebook, we see it. When you're not on Facebook because she has to sign client um, disclosure agreements where she's not allowed to be on social media, we don't see it. But I think it's an interesting parallel. Um, and considering we live in the Northeast, yes. it's a rare, interesting parallel. But Carolyn is an avid hiker. Yes. She seeks out mountains and hills and trails (laughs) to climb. And I think um, that there is something probably transparently evident how it parallels in your professional life. Yes. I do think that we live pretty well-rounded lives. We don't think about it. But if you sit down and talk through our skills, what we champion, our interests, our careers, our day-to-day, our highs, our lows... It really is not rocket science right. when it trans- when it shows or showcases our interests. How did you find hiking? Do you really do you do you intuitively know that it's a representation of your personal choices? Did it happen by accident? 
we live in the New York area. There's like four trails. So yes. how did that happen? I was in Greece with my husband in 2013 in Santorini. And my daughter was not born. This was before Karis came along. And we were hiking. We just decided to do this hike. Somebody at the hotel had recommended it. Up the volcano? And it ended up, it, I don't even remember. It was uh, Ia to somewhere else. It was, six, it was a six-mile hike. And part of it was absolutely terrifying. It was that moment I decided, oh, my gosh, I'm terrified of heights. And I had to ditch the rest of the hike because I was so scared. I thought we were going to have to call in a helicopter to come rescue us. My husband is still traumatized by this incident. I was, like, crying the whole nine yards. It was, it was a horror show. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm terrified of, of heights. And so when we moved to the suburbs and I was really bored, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get over the, my fear of heights. I have some extra time now. I'm kind of home, whatever it is. And I started hiking, and I, I joined a group called Women Who Hike, and I made some friends who absolutely love hiking. And now, I mean, we hike, I don't know, every other week, and some really challenging trails, too. So it's, it's become a personal passion of mine, and it, it took a lot for me to get to the point where I could get over that fear, but I did. And now I just, I think it, it really, the, the bigger story is that if you're willing to have the courage to push past what scares you the most, you're just going to have the, the greatest view from the top, just the, the best the best end result. I love it. And I, I think um, I view from enjoyed, the top. View from the top. Love it. I enjoy watching you. I, I don't know why. It just it captured my attention. I mean, we've been friends for so many mm-hmm. years, and we always stayed in touch, and we were always kind of – in and out of the same industries and championing each other in both sections of our lives. And we lived in the same area. I mean, I just, I've always had you in my life. You were never not in it. And for some reason, I always found that to be the most, it, it inspired, it, it was awe inspiring to think that you trip, like, you know, the rest of us are at SoulCycle and you're, you know, not to say I don't love SoulCycle. I, I love, oh, I, I love SoulCycle. I miss, Cycle too. I miss it. I miss it. The I miss best. It. I miss it. I miss it. Um, but I would say like the fact that you dove into that, it's not it's not the norm. And right. I like that. You know, I mean, granted, I mean, if you were sitting here and you're like, I'm I'm into ice hockey, I don't know if I would find it as relatable. Right. Um, but I just feel like the symbolism behind it I think is is profound. Yes. And it's also amazing to not have, be connected to technology and to actually, it really also brings people together. So my cousin was like, oh, I want to join you. And then I became really close with her, like after not being close with her for so many years. It's collaborative. Other people who, ex- exactly, it's collaborative. It's, it's some of the hikes, I mean, they're 16 miles long and you're just climbing and climbing and climbing. They're, they're brutal and you need other people around you to, to, to be able to get through it. You really do. I feel like what everything you're saying is a parallel. Yes, that's what I'm saying. The it's hike, the, the climb, the, you need people around you. If you really think about Miley. it, per, it We're is. just being Miley. It is. No, the climb. <laughs> I, I find that We're just being the, the West Coast way of life mm-hmm. is so lost on so much of us East Coast. Yes. I mean, fortunately, Jamie and I live by the beach, so we have the influx of water. But when people are trying to have this, like, very frenetic, fast-paced life that New York is. I mean, granted, I'm I'm just as guilty and or I'm I'm just as subscribed. I shouldn't say guilty. I mean, I get off the boat into Manhattan and I'm like, oh, I feel like myself. This is where it all happens. Right. And then as soon as I leave Manhattan, I'm like, goodbye, you know? Right. So I think that there is some sort of symbolic, true, true reality to your hobby. And I found it to be interesting enough that I wanted to bring it out on the podcast because I feel like, 
for those listening, we are career, but we are career because it's for our lives. Right. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be challenging what our highs are. We're supposed to be leading with light. And you need to be able to encapsulate or find things in your life to enrich your day-to-day so that you're not dry and water-cooler conversation. If you are complaining, this is for my younger people, because, by the way, when phone calls come to me or emails come to me, no one emails me when they're happy. When you are complaining or you are unfulfilled, what else do you have in your life? You need another outlet. Mm-hmm. Yes. For when I lived in the city, Soul Cycle was that for me. Same. Me too. It was my therapy. It was, By the way, it took a, l- a long time to figure out how to live without Lori Cole, which I still can't do. Lori, I don't think you'll <laughs> listen to this, but I love you still to this we day. We will tag you so you'll um, hear it. It's very hard to, to, to find how to re-judge. Re, re found my tootsie. Right. Yes. It's hard but, to but find. It's part of this whole self-care thing that everybody is sure. talking about. It's not just about massages and taking a nap. It's about... Finding, growing yourself into something that you love or, and allows or taking you to time be to better. discover what that is. You and I think it, 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 it really helps you to then translate that into work, right? right? So for you, for example, to bring it back, it's, you know, that inspires you. It inspires others. And then you can take that energy from a 16, 20, four-mile hike, whatever it is. I want to go. And bring it to your clients. I've only done that once, and I loved it. Well, it's also about the process, right? So I don't just love the view from the top. The view, that's that's wonderful. I love planning the hike. I love researching. I love reading the reviews about it. And it's the same thing with your career. If you're not in love with the process and you just want promotions and money and the next thing, whatever it is, you're always going to be chasing the dangling carrot. You have to just absolutely love the good and bad, every piece you of the lean process. In. Lean in. And I will say that the last analogy we can tie back to that is when you take a flight and someone says at the very beginning of the flight, you got to put your own oxygen mask on I'm before first. you can help yes. others. That is the hardest thing to remember. Mm-hmm. For all of us, whether it's a mo- being a mother, a friend, a daughter, a mentor, a colleague, you have to take care of yourself first yes. in a selfless, selfish way. And especially when you're a leader and yes. you have people who depend on you and they're and who taking are your, to you. they need your energy. You need to right. be able to refuel it. Speaking of flights, I think you just took one that I want to hear about because I'd like to yes. tie it back to courage in a different way yes. before we head into mantras. Yes. You were invited. Yes. Um, or, or signed up to be an, on a, a panel. Yes? No, I was uh, leading a workshop. Leading a workshop mm-hmm. for a, gen, it was, it's predominantly Gen Z, correct? Gen Z and younger millennials. Okay. Yes. So I would like for you to spend a minute yes. talking about this huge opportunity, considering you are a marketing guru out of the publishing industry. Would you call her, what, yourself a mommy marketer? I <laughs> yeah. loved that. <laughs> yes. So I was invited to host a Managing Up How to Establish an Amazing Relationship with Your Boss workshop at the Girl Boss Rally, uh, which was at UCLA three weeks ago. Uh, Sophia Amoruso is an amazing, inspiring entrepreneur. This is her event. There's 2,000 people that attend. And they're typically Gen Z, so that means that they're in their early 20s. Some are younger millennials, you know, in their 20s, early 30s. That's, that's predominantly who this audience is. I was excited. It was an opportunity of a lifetime to be able to speak to a large audience. Uh, and, and just it's a very high caliber event um, for a speaker. I and love that all of our young women are trying to dream big. Love yes, it. Yes. Yeah, me too. So I it was Saturday and Sunday. I was presenting on Sunday. So on Saturday, I decided to attend some of the other sessions to make sure that what I was presenting would be perfect and to really 
understand who this audience was, right? Because typically when I host they workshops, buy tickets. yes, yes, oh yes, they buy tickets and everything. Some people make they travel from all over the world, so it's a global audience. It's not just people from LA. It was it was it was awesome. And um, so, like I said, the, the audience was was younger. I wanted to do the best job I could actually getting to know them prior to getting in front of 200 of them to talk about this. And I walked in and I was a little startled because they were so young and they were all so stylish. A lot of them had pink hair. And here I am, this 41-year-old mom. And I'm like, how am I going to connect with this audience? Because I'd never presented to, to people this young before. And they were so cool. So I ended up redoing quite a bit of my presentation because I had to show them, first of all, I am not just mommy marketer. Um, how am I going to connect with them? And I shared the story with them about how I did not have a courageous conversation with my boss. And what they could really learn from me, um, re- learn from me were, was just from all of the mistakes that I've made because I've made more of them than they have. Mm-hmm. They're young. So you're stylish and you're amazing and you're smart and you're tenacious, but I've made more mistakes. So here are some of them and please learn from them. So True. I use that. I love that as opposed to like, I'm older and wiser necessarily. Yes. You're just like, I get it. I've been you and yes. learned from my mistakes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I wanted to show them that I was don't vulnerable. Don't make their own though. Yeah. Exactly. Don't make their own, but they don't have to make what you made. Exactly. So I tried to show them that I, I was super vulnerable and I did make fun of my outfit. I did say that, you know, I had to buy it, especially for this event, because I usually wear leggings all day, which is true, as long as I'm not with a client. And I decided to make the curriculum really more about them. Well, you do have so an athletic everything, client, so right. you're representing their brand. Right. So everything that we talked about, I made it super interactive so that they were not only learning from me, but learning from each other. Um, because I'd read research that says that a lot of these younger professionals don't want to hear from people who are Gen X. They want to report to people who are like them. So I made it more about them. And the feedback, I a bunch of people reached out to me afterwards. And a lot of the feedback that I received appreciated the fact that I had shared my story A and B, that I had made it super interactive versus just like, I know everything. This is what it is. Learn from me. It was more of like, let's learn from each other. I feel like this is a naive statement. But I feel like if you come in to a room like that and you are authentic, I think it's our pre- perceived or preconceived notions of what we think they'll think of us because that's what we would have thought of someone of our age. I mean, I remember how I, I think about this all the time. I remember what I used to think about when the women that were significantly older than me walked into the conference room. I know what my voices were. I remember them. You don't understand me. No, you don't understand me. I don't get you. Why are you still here? Why'd you wear that? Like, where are your kids? Like, right. all these these hard voices that I've now had to tangle with myself, about myself. hmm You know? And I wonder that I think perhaps, perhaps they're saving grace, this generation that is younger than us. They won't be so judgy. Right. I think it was us that judged. So we think they're judging us. Right. Well, they're definitely more about diversity and inclusion and fluidity. And, they, and I don't think they see age. And or, acceptance. They don't see age the way we did. And I think. That's a great thing. Right. It is a great thing. And I, I love think it's that. all of us that needs to get And you away got from good it. feedback from that? I did. That's amazing. I did. And I again it went back to that aha moment of it's less about the money and the prestige and more about actually helping using my people. experience to help people. So that's I think true. that's a good tie into the mantras because and we talk about them obviously all the time on the podcast. So we we don't need to guys necessarily go through all of ours. Um, you know, but in particular I think that the one that we say often that applies to you and this entire conversation is say yes. 
Yes. Because you have gotten to a point now in your career where you can say yes courageously mm-hmm. to really cool, different things. And that's a great example of saying yes to something that is a little outside your comfort zone, yes. still challenges you to this day as a 41-year-old mommy marketer. And you went and you mm-hmm. killed it and you changed your, you know, you switched it up a little bit before, but you went out there and you did it and you got great feedback about yes. it. So that's amazing. Yes. Um, so that's one of my favorites. I mean, we talk about it all the time, but. Well, I what, will tell you yeah. one more example of saying yes. So I joined um, a company called The Second Shift a few of years course. ago. Yeah, right? Yeah, we know them. And, yeah, um, know them. So The Second Shift, they're, they're amazing. I just emailed with uh, Kristen yesterday. Get them on ago. the podcast. They're amazing. We they're should. Amazing Actually, it's a and great we work, idea. We work with them side by side, but have not crossed paths at the Luminary. Yeah, because they are members right. at Luminary yes. and they are now have their offices there. And yes. we're there all the time. So now we have to yes. get back in bed. So now we have to well. bring our worlds all together. So the second shift is a company that was founded by two women and their mission is really to make work work for you. So for working mothers, women who are on a career break, whatever it is, they help source project work. You pitch yourself for it. And if you win, you negotiate your rate and you move on with your life. It's amazing. I joined immediately as soon as I had read about them in the New York Times. And there was one project that popped up in my inbox and it was for Equinox. And it was a marketing project where you would go into different Equinox locations as sort of a secret guest. And you would evaluate all of their services, their training, their spa, their retail, et cetera, and then come up with recommendations for how they could improve, move the business forward. They had a new CEO at the time. And I looked at it and I said, I don't know if my skill set exactly matches that because I'm more of a media marketer versus a brand marketer. And somebody from the second shift reached out to me and said, you know what, you should really pitch yourself for this. And I did. And they ended up hiring two of us. It was their most popular pitched project in the history of the second shift. And two of us ended up getting it. And I did the project and I pushed myself. And it was one of the most amazing experiences of my career, but I had the courage to, with a little nudging, say yes and to grab it and and do it. And I'm so, so glad that I did because a couple of months later, I was sitting across the table from a very senior VP and their CEO at the time. And I never would have had that opportunity had I deleted that email Mm -hmm. or said no, or maybe. I went in full force and it worked out. I love that. That's a great example. Um, So what's your mantra? Obviously, say yes is one of them. I have a few. My first is... You from the top is a good one, yeah. Thoughts become things. Mm -hmm. I do believe in the power of thoughts. So make them good, make them positive, put the good energy out there. And I I believe in manifesting things too. Meditation, all of that. I'm very into that these days because I actually do think it's effective. So thoughts become things. And the other one is just take action. And that was another thing I had learned from Girl Boss and all of the amazing women who I met is that they're actually a little bit less about the inspiration and they're more about giving me the tools so I can take action. So I can actually do it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so they inspired me. So now with my business, like that's what it's all about. It's about taking action and reaching out to people I've never spoken to before and just con- doing that very consistently and doing things like this, being on a podcast for the first time and just taking action. And, you know, it's interesting because we talk about action words all the time. Um, we don't necessarily use the words, well, we talk about intention, not necessarily like a, um, you know, resolution, which obviously we're more than halfway through 2019. But when we wrote these questions, we were talking about your 2019 intention or action word. Mm -hmm. 
um, which yours might just be action. Your action word is action, which yes. I like. <laughs> yes. Um, Take action. Yes. So do you have any other action word that in that way? I mean, anything else that you're kind of trying to strive for this year in your business or in general? Yes. I am going to do more writing. Right. I'm going to circle back to my 12-year-old self. self. And I'm going to start writing again. And I've been contributing a little bit to Thrive Global here and there, but I need to have the courage to take it to the next level. I just wrote an essay that I'm going to work with an editor friend of mine to tweak a bit and then start pitching it and just go for it. I love that. Good for you. Carolyn, I love you. Thanks. I love you guys, too. I I just think that you're just up to all sorts of good things. I am. Sorry, we get emotional every single podcast. Um, And speaking of being inspired by Carolyn, we we like to talk to people about their superpowers. We believe that everyone has a superpower um, that you bring to something that maybe somebody else doesn't bring. Do you have a superpower that you think is yours that's kind of just yours? I am not afraid to test and learn Mm -hmm. and encourage others to do the same even if you fail. Mm Mm-hmm. So, for example, I also have a real estate license. (laughs) There it is. Right. I also have a real estate license, and I got it a year ago when I had some free time, and I haven't really done much with it. And I probably should, just as like a side hustle or whatever it is, but, you know, I tested it. I'm kind of learning, like, is this going to be my next thing or is it not? I don't know. But I had the courage to try. And I, with other people, too, you have an idea rolling around in your head. Just try. And if it doesn't work, who cares? On to the next Agreed. Onward. It's true. Onward. It's so true. Um, there anything, are some nice houses out there. Yeah. Bourbon there are. County. Yeah. Um, anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't ask you? Anything we should have asked you that we didn't get to? Anything you'd like to say to our listeners? Just, well, first of all, to the listeners who are about to take a career break, please prepare. Please prepare. I'm actually working on another business idea, too, that hopefully I will launch in the fall or in Q1 next year that will address that. But please prepare. Have the courage to have difficult conversations and just, again, test and learn and just don't be afraid to try things. Like if, you're, if, you're, don't, if you don't have a fire in your belly every morning when you wake up to go to work, test something else out. Mm-hmm. Test it and test and test until yeah, you do find that la- one thing. It shouldn't thing. be lackluster. Right. It shouldn't, shouldn't be. be lackluster. We should not just be married to our work because of our bills. Right. It shouldn't be just that. No. It should be so Which much Which is why more. we tell people to catch their dreams, chase yes. them. And where do our listeners, we're going to talk about some fun questions in a minute, but where yes. do our listeners find you? What's your website, your handles? So my website is industriousagency.com. My, I have about 10 Instagram accounts, <laughs> but you can actually find me at Addicted to Adventure or mm-hmm. at Career Breakthrough. Those are my two um, where you'll see the most interesting stuff, not just pictures of what I'm eating and my child all day long. Um, and yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Um, we like to, to close our podcasts with uh, some fun questions. Yes. We actually, our first podcast ever, we were guests and we were in this room with our friend, friend Carrie, who does a brand uh, branding podcast called Brand Groupies. We talk about her all the time on our podcast. Oh, we yes. had her on our podcast. I feel like I know her at this point. Yes. I know, right? And um, she was on our podcast at Orange Theory when we did our live event. Um, and she always asked at the end, if you were a rock song, what would you be? And I loved that oh, question. Geez. So we can't necessarily steal it from her, although it's a fun one to answer. Uh, we, I will say Sweet Emotion by There Aerosmith it is. Because a I'm one. a Gemini and I'm very emotional. There it is. <laughs> so there I you go. <laughs> um, so I think... 
we came up with our own versions. So I think you'll have some fun answers to these. Okay. Plus we're from the same area. So yeah. maybe you'll have some places. I know, I know. Okay. Go so ahead. what's the what's your go-to order at oh, your gosh. favorite hometown restaurant? I am gonna make you so jealous. <laughs> A special salad. Special salad from Rudy's. Without onions and grilled chicken from Rudy's. It's the best. I just had it last night. I am actually really disappointed <laughs> that I did not have the bandwidth. Oh yeah, I should have asked you to bring it. I know. Salad. I should have. I'm sorry. <gasps> Mom's should up there have. right now. Oh yeah. Mom's in Bergen County right Call now. Call in your order. Oh it's my worth goodness. It. So you know who's I'm connected on Facebook with um Tony. He's always posting. If he can hear us. Oh my Make goodness. A salad. My we mom love. Will pick it up. So we by the way, just sidebar, because we're all from Bergen County. Obviously, this is something that has come up several times during this conversation, North Jersey. And now we obviously live in Monmouth County. We have tried to recreate the special salads in several places. Although oh, our friends at Sunny's and Gigi's have yes. done a decent job. Also, she's from Norwood, so she gets it. Okay. because uh, really it's it's not about the mozzarella and the roasted red peppers. And the iceberg. It's the dressing. It's the dressing. hundred percent. It's, yes. it's just the way the dressing works with the salad. In fact, anytime we've even gotten it takeout, Did it you doesn't. Chopped? Yeah, do you chop it up? I didn't last night. I don't chop. Jamie chops. I, I chop. do. I do like a chop. Although I, I lately have preferred the opposite. And it's funny, I used to get no no arugula, but my taste buds have changed as a mother, and now I love arugula, so right. I put it in there. But what's interesting is even when you get it takeout, the Dressing on the side mixed in is not the, same, not the taste same as getting it at the restaurant. Grilled chicken is a nice move. The grilled it's chicken good. there is so good too. It's like a modern day move. You didn't do that in the beginning. No, 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 no. no, no that's no. like add chicken is like a grown up. If you stuff. could yeah. travel anywhere, in this the world, is a good one. Where would you go alone with your better half, or your other half, or your best friend? And you do a lot of these things, by the way. Yes, I travel is another passion point for sure. So alone. I would say Southeast Asia. I don't know, maybe Thailand, Bali, something like that. I don't know, a yoga retreat. I don't know, something along those lines. Uh, With my husband, our favorite place in the world is Italy. I know it's so cliche and everybody loves Italy, but it's really special and amazing. I mean, it's Italy. It's It's Italy. Italy. In fact, we talk about this all the time because we both studied abroad there. Me too, in Florence. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Yeah. So, And I've not been able to go back in a traditional fashion since. I went once on a cruise. I'm dying to go back with just, just Dave. It. I know. It's just on my list. Do it. It's on my list. This I mean, year's it's carbs, Disney, carbs. This, this year's Disney World. Definitely lean into the noodles. Yeah. Just lean into the noodles. <laughs> Our friend just got back from Tuscany and she's like, I had noodles and gelato every single every meal, every day. They all look gorgeous. And they look gorgeous because it's fresh. There's no preservatives. They go to the market. They make their noodles. They go to the the milk is from the cow down the street. Like it's so And their portion fresh. is probably... Less than a quarter of ours. They also take naps. I mean, they just live life better. Uh, And what about with your best friend? Where would you go? You always travel with your girls. I do. I do. do. You know, we always go to California, so I'd have to say California. We love LA and just the energy of the city, going to the beach, laying by the pool at the Sunset Marquee, going out all night long. So much fun. Sounds terrible. Um, Okay. (laughs) Now, to wrap, I think our favorite question lately, and we talk about this a lot when we're telling people how to target their job search and where should I be applying, what companies, even when we're, we just sat with one of our new employees the other day talking about lead generation for Mm -hmm. what we do. And I think the advice goes for anyone how to identify your brand crush, right? So who is it that you're obsessed with? How do you get to work with them? And if you don't get to work with them, you know, using them to inspire you mm-hmm. in, in 
terms of what you're doing next. So we always ask people what their brand crush is because we think it's so interesting to hear like why you're into a certain thing right now. You know, obviously we talked about Soul Cycle. Mm-hmm. I always talk about Swell Bottle. Right now I'm into um, what's the one that we have now? What's our water bottle called? Iron Flask. Iron Flask. You know these companies that have come up with something super cool yes. that no one else is doing. I'm covered with my Red Bubble stickers because I'm so. I love red bubble stickers. I'm so youthful. Yeah, totally. What's your current brand crush? Do you have one? Yes, it is Third Love. What's that? Third Love. Oh, that's the bra. Yes. So Third Love is the anti-Victoria's Secret, and it's a it's a female founded company. Her name is Heidi. I can't remember what her last name is. They're they're in California, and I saw them popping up in on on Instagram, and they've disrupted what it means to be disruption. A that's yes, a big word because disrupt something. Right. They've disrupted the lingerie industry because they position themselves as a tech company because their whole thing is like you go online and you take their fit assessment online and they decide what the perfect size is going to be for you and then they send it to you in the mail. So I ordered a bra and it didn't fit perfectly. Their customer service was absolutely amazing. I actually didn't even have to talk to anybody. I just went online, printed out a label, stuck it, returned it. They emailed me, said, we understand that your order is on the way, sent me a new one, perfection. In addition to the fact that one of their recruiters I actually met at the Girl Boss Rally, she was articulate, she was smart, and she was such an amazing representation of what the brand is, which is a, a female, gay women kind of empowerment company brand. And um, I promoted because they were hiring. So I promoted it on my LinkedIn. And then their, one of their founders actually started following me on LinkedIn. And I just have this sort of relationship with that, the brand now, you know, with their employees in addition to, you know, what their product is. And I will also say that I looked at some of the job descriptions and they really do what they say they're going to do when it comes to women's impairment. Like they have a great parental leave policy. They just, they really, uh, their perks are great. It's just that they're really supportive of women, I guess, physically and emotionally. emotionally. And, I love that. You know, like as love a career it. path, whatever it is. Yeah. In a wire or in emotion. Anything that you can do to lift us up. There yeah. it is. <laughs> Tits up, yeah. Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Tits up. All right. So that's a good way to wrap, I think. Um, this has been a pleasure. Likewise. This has been so much fun. I love hearing other people's stories for so many reasons, but although I knew a bit about what you were doing, it was so awesome hearing it from your mouth and figuring out, obviously, my mind is racing, as is my sister's, I can tell, of how we can collab and yes. work together. And I hope you enjoyed being here with us today. Yes, I loved every minute. Thank you so much. Thanks, Carolyn. <laughs>